Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. Hey all, welcome back, Startup Grind Global Podcast. This is Chris Jernu. And today, before we dive into uh, our episode, I did want to mention a great opportunity from our sponsor at Render Capital in Louisville, Kentucky. Are you a startup founder who could use $100,000? Answer's probably yes. If so, Render Capital wants you to apply for their 2021 Render Competition. The Render Competition invests $100,000 into eight early-stage startups each year to help them scale their solution and attract future investment. Your startup should be one of those startups. Anyone is welcome to apply. Applications are now open, and the deadline is May 6. So not too far away. So jump on now and learn more about the Render competition. Uh, that is at render.capital slash competition slash startup grind. I also have um, a direct link in the notes, but that's render.capital slash competition slash startup grind. Check it out. In today's episode, we have Stefano Mastro Giacomo, project management professor, speaker, and coach at Strategizer. And he's a project management practitioner and academic with 20 years of experience and the designer of the team alignment map. Today is all about team alignment. Credit amount of learning today, um, more more than I could have guessed. I always enjoy talking to the guys that strategize up, but yeah, this far exceeded my expectations. Um, his background is in leading digital projects for Swiss-based companies Rothschild, Pictet, advising cross-functional teams and leaders um, for Richmond, the World Econ- Economic Forum, HSBC, etc., and then teaching and doing research in project management at the University of Lausanne and at the Ecole, Ecole Hotelier de Lausanne in partnership with Doctors Without Borders, Migros Le Shop and Rolex. I pronounced 90% of that correctly. Um, he's an accomplished author and uh, holds a PhD and master's degree in organization and business information systems, all obtained at the University of Lausanne. Enjoy. Welcome, Stefano. How are you doing, buddy? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. And, and uh, look, today we are going to be covering um, the book in particular. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, can you just give me the um, the 30 second, you know, elevator pitch on on the premise of the book? Yes, sure. And uh, a warm welcome to our listeners. So I co-wrote a book with Alex Osterwalder called High Impact Tools for Teams uh, at uh, at YD and with Strategizer. Uh, And, you know, Strategizer uh, has developed amazing tools to uh, manage and deliver innovative products and services and more general manage innovation journeys. We thought it was uh, important that we complemented these tools with tools to manage the human side of innovation journeys, uh, namely teams. And this book 
contains five tools to help teams, innovation teams, manage the innovation journey in uh, what we believe are better way, especially when it comes to aligning uh, the team members and creating the conditions also in terms of psychological safety to help them go through these very particular journeys uh, with a lot of uncertainty, information keeping changing all the time and so on. Absolutely. And, and then, so, uh, you know, you mentioned innovation teams. Is this also, you know, um, well suited to startups? You know, I mean, a lot of the chaos is there, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely. So the idea is that um, uh, these tools help basically uh, teams enter into new projects in, in more general and they're scalable. So they work uh, as a team of five and uh, up to an organization of 80,000 people, uh, which is a, a, an aggregation of teams. So uh, the book presents different patterns on how to use these tools uh, at the team level, for example, in meetings or at the project level, which we see as an addition of meetings in time and at the organizational level where actually you had an additional dimension, which is the number of teams. So that meet constantly with members shifting from one team to the other. And the book presents that there is a whole section on how to apply these tools in different contexts and at different scales. And, and look, so I want to, you know, obviously today talking about teams, team alignment, and and I want to I want to go through all of that. But just um, before we do that, right? I, I like to kind of go back, understand, give you know, give the audience a bit of context about who you are, and you know how you how you got to the point where you you know you're writing books with Alex Osterwalder. I, I kind of get the feeling if there's any opportunity to write a book, that guy's on it. <laughs> but, but, uh, well, sorry, you're right, but, but you know, uh, Alex has a, uh, Alex pushed me a lot to write this book. Uh, we've we've known each other for, for more than twenty years, actually. We we did a PhD with the same professor, which is Yves Pinier, the co-designer of the business model canvas. He was a professor at the university, and so, so, yeah. Well, 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 yeah, sorry. So going back before, so this sounds really interesting too. I love to, I want to hear the story about um, university, but 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 going back, right? I, I usually start with the question um, and I just, I think it, I think, I think the guests like it because, uh, you know, it kind of takes them back generally to fond memories. Um, but was there a mother or father that was an entrepreneur? In my family, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Uh, not really, actually. My father is a watchmaker uh, and uh, uh, my mom took care of uh, four kids. So it was a kind of full time job. And um, no, I've been, however, I've been exposed to teamwork and, uh, and projects uh, thanks to my father. He, worked, he used to work at Rolex, the watch uh, company. Nice. And he was in charge of uh, uh, the robotization of processes, uh, of some processes. Wow. And it's true that when you enter into automating complex manual tasks, it requires an amazing set of competencies. And my father used to share the stories of uh, things happening and all the experiments that failed uh, before they got it right. 
he was one of the first to introduce some uh, uh, automated processes in that field. And I remember um, uh, him going uh, on weekends and staying long at night uh, at the at, at the at the at the Rolex facilities to to to, to just find <laughs> sort it out, you know, find a way to. Uh, uh, improve the quality, deliver faster, and so on, with an amazing team. And so all my youth has been uh, kind of been exposed to these stories. And I used to also go and work to make some pocket money <laughs> uh, there. Uh, and uh, that's how I get exposed to teamwork. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, probably took you about uh, 20 summers to get the watch, though. Well, you know, this has been a very long journey, to be honest, because um, uh, if I jump a bit uh, ahead, uh, forward in time, sorry, uh, um, when, when, when I started my IT journey, which is like more than 25 years ago, developing a collaborative applications uh, for Caterpillar, the truck company. Um, that's where I got really exposed myself on the front line of teamwork. And, um, you know, in IT, we have this unique uh, positioning that make us travel throughout the entire organization. And so we are cross-functional by definition as we have to deliver sometimes uh, corporate level or client-facing apps. And that's where I sort of got exposed to the challenges of teams of specialists and making uh, these teams align, coordinate so that they deliver something meaningful while still having very different backgrounds and disciplines and opinions. And um, <laughs> the whole idea of the book really um, is a, is a spin-off of my PhD <laughs> where uh, I sort of realized delivering as a developer, the delivering uh, applications that there were some specific moments in meetings where people would agree on something while I had the perception that they did not really agree. <laughs> so <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example. So there is a, this meeting, we're about to launch a new app. And you, Chris, tell me you're going to take care of the design. And I say, okay, I'm going to take care of the tech specs. And that's it. And everyone says, okay. Now, my feeling at the moment in this type of meeting is that words have a lot of ambiguity. And your understanding of design might be different than my understanding of design. And the same for tech specs. Well, actually, we've just created future execution problems because this ambiguity will lead us to do our best, but with the perception gaps. So when we meet next time, <laughs> you're going to ask me, okay, where are the tech specs? And then I'm going to give you what uh, I believe uh, I was supposed to do, but then you will find that some parts are, are missing and the same for me. And <clears throat> this idea of mutual understanding reaching some evidence that we're on the same page grew up in my mind. And I realized quickly also that the meetings were key for that. But like we were treating communication as if it, everything was uh, 
granted. I mean, that evidence of understanding was granted. And, and it's not, it's not. Communication fails regularly. And it took me then 20 years, <laughs> that has been long, to understand more precisely what is going on in meetings, what is going on in our heads, the mechanics of language, the mechanics of human coordination. And I had to start this long interdisciplinary journey because the disciplines that um, have developed, in my opinion, the best understanding of what it is to understand each other, uh, uh, the importance of the atmosphere in the room and so on are psycholinguistics, social psychology, evolutionary anthropology, and so on. And being myself, um, having a degree in business administration and, and, and in computer science, these disciplines were very far from me. So the journey has been long in that regards, which is like to understand what is going on before starting designing tools to help my own teams do better. And then um, it took another uh, five or six years to test and find the right design for these tools. So that explains the incubation, the very long incubation of that project. And Alex and Eve have always been there uh, mentoring me during that long journey. Uh, and I was super happy when they suggested that this book is released uh, with Strategizer. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed we didn't hear any more about Rolex. You jumped you jumped pretty far ahead. But <laughs> that's all right. We can Quentin Tarantino. We can go backwards <laughs> once in a while. But um, but yeah. So like you know, um, you know, when as you're saying this, right? And I, I I think that we've all been in those meetings where everyone's nodding their heads and in agreement, and then the, the door closes and everyone's like, I don't want to do that <laughs> or whatever else. Um, and then so and, and and then I guess part part B um, part B to that is you know a comment kind of that came to my mind as you were saying it right was a something that uh, my boss uh, Tim Draper he's a famous venture capitalist um, said in a lot one of the last meetings you know about the um, what's missing in these kind of Zoom calls right um, particularly when they're talking to entrepreneurs around investment is um energy right he said like we can kind of capture most of it and um you know look at the business plan look at the you know um look at you know the track record and 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 look and look at the team all the kind of things you, you do when you're ticking off things on paper but we are missing the energy right yeah like he's specifically talking about you know this kind of you know, when you you feel you're feeling something when people are in the room together and and they're talking and then you can feel that that passion and um, and I think that's what he was re referring to and so I want to kind of just say like all right part one I guess is how do you kind of solve the problem around um, uh, you know uh, misalignment I suppose from in the meetings and then second part is given like today's um, context and you know COVID and and lots of zoom meetings how do we then um um solve that problem in, in within your um framework um, yeah there are many questions in your questions uh yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, should, I should i just got lost just, i uh, i know but uh, they're all relevant so uh 
maybe let's start with what your uh, your boss is saying. Uh, uh, yeah, this the, the energy. Yeah. yeah, this very idea of energy. Uh, we conducted a study comparing the. This was at the University of Lausanne with a, a, a group of colleagues. We conducted a study on three teams. We followed on parallel to measure the impact of alignment and al alignment slash mutual understanding, mm -hmm. the fact of being on the same page on task performance and project performance more generally. And um, we were testing the uh, early stages of what would become one of the tools of the book called the team alignment map. We, we were focused on, focused on measuring the, 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 the difference between the teams who were using the tools and um, to align in meetings and teams who were not using the tools. And uh, we've seen a, a very important difference in performance up to 400%, wow. faster and better. However, my point is to come back to the energy is that there, there were open questions in the interviews we were regularly conducting with the teams and the teams that were aligned members reported a higher level of motivation and engagement exactly. systematically and we did nothing for that so we took some time reflecting on this and we came to the conclusion uh maybe we should launch another study on that but that's that's a belief i have today that actually motivation, engagement might be a consequence of mutual clarity and participation. So it's not something you create uh, directly. It's something that emerges as a consequence of other basics that if you take care of these basics, these things happen. And today, when I, when I, uh, I have, for example, um, uh, some teams call me to help them uh, sort of reboot challenged projects. Um, uh, one of the first things I do is uh, I really increase dramatically the level of participation of every team member. And also another check that is very important, by the way, I'm describing the team alignment map right now. Another important thing I do is I check the, the validity for everyone of the mission of the project. So I have a sort of checklist that is also presented in the book that is the mission meaningful for everybody? Can all team members project themselves, project their own contribution to whatever we, we might be doing? Um, so, and um, I have no exception yet that when you involve people in something meaningful for them, which requires some engineering for the mission, huh? some design. Uh, I have no, um, uh, no example uh, of not, see, sorry for the double negation, of not seeing uh, commitment and participation uh, uh, increasing. So that is for the first, uh, first point, which is the energy. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was also kind of talking about their personal energy, right? Like their but perhaps from what you're saying is that um, perhaps more to do with the fact that they're clear on their mission and their vision, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I also mean, you're, you're correct. I, I also mean personal energy. You know, if you can see how you can contribute 
yourself, mm -hmm. that makes a world of difference because all of a sudden you, you can perceive your involvement in it. Yeah. Whereas if you receive um, an, uh, uh, an email asking you to uh, cut costs by 20% because it's a, a, a global initiative, you might not feel as much concerned as if I add, for example, the sentence cut costs to preserve our jobs in these difficult times. <laughs> so all of a sudden there is a connection with your job. So that, that's what I mean. I mean, the energy comes, in my opinion, a lot from the fact that I can see a direct connection between what is asked and how I can contribute. Because if you can see how you can contribute, all of a sudden you start mobilizing your energy for that because you feel involved. And there is this whole enrollment process that we've seen in our studies where uh, when people participate, have a voice, uh, it might not mean that everything that is said is maintained, but if there, uh, if what I argue or you argue is not, uh, maintain you will understand why it's not being maintained and why some other ideas are there but you will feel part of it and that's where uh, 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 I act I act mostly on this idea of are we on the same page and can everyone in the team understand why this is important for them individually and for us as a team and how they can contribute so and as a consequence of this now to close the the, the long story, uh, I see motivation and commitment uh, uh, emerge uh, quite rapidly, actually. Um, um, the effects are not delayed in time when you uh, start putting people in the room and you ask them a meaningful question, you can feel uh, quite rapidly the level of energy. Now, to come back to the other point, which is online. Online is a, a Imagine everything we've said is we're physically in the same room. Now, online is adding another layer of complexity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you can Google media richness theory, or there have been important study in psycholinguistics proving that that face-to-face -face dialogue is the most effective technology on earth for humans to coordinate. Yeah. Nothing can compare with face-to-face. -face. All other media, sorry, all other communication channels uh, compare one or more, obs uh, uh, have one or more obstacles as compared to conversation. Uh, so you can see, for example, uh, nonverbal uh, behaviors, uh, if the camera is turned off, or uh, uh, to take an example with uh, asynchronous uh, channels like email, messaging, and so on, you might not answer immediately a question and get an answer immediately and so on. Now, working with teams during the pandemic, what we've realized uh, with my strategizer colleagues is that uh, video conferencing, which is the second most effective communication channel, uh, has done tremendous progress. Uh, however, video conferencing alone is not sufficient online. Uh, Video conferencing is great for voice, but voice accounts for 7% uh, approximately of mutual understanding. And uh, we realized that 
for ourselves and for the teams that had the best performance online, they were doubling video conferencing with the digital whiteboard, uh, like the Strategizer app, uh, Miro.com, Mural. And when you have this combination, uh, plus the fact that you prepare meetings in advance, thinking about the people who are going to be there for them, so that they can contribute to the meeting. So this means go visual, use tools and templates to structure the meeting, time box, uh, all the exercises, then you get something really, really, really powerful. Uh, that for me is something that comes quite close to being physically together in the same room. But that, that requires a, a new set of skills that if you are in innovation, uh, kind of there is nothing really new for you. What is new is the number of people that are not used to working this way that had to move to these new environments in a record time. We're talking about millions of people who were not exposed to these technologies and that creates gaps, skills gaps in the organization uh, where we believe that uh, some um, uh, it's worthwhile to invest both in, both in infrastructure, software, but skills as well to, uh, uh, to upgrade the skills of everybody so that we can uh, replicate remotely, uh, get closer and closer to the uh, physical experience. Yeah, and, and so, um, look, I'm, I'm writing notes as I'm talking uh, about, uh, you know, asterisks, um, I'm a terrible leader. <laughs> I should be more prepared. Um, make sure I use mirror board. Um, but, you know, like one kind of thing that, um, you know, really resonated with me is um, the mission, right? So um, do you, is that where you, you start? How do you start when you come into an organization and, and um, you know, teams not aligned, the performance is not there? And it sounds like there's some, sometimes there, there can be some quick fixes that kind of, could get everyone moving a little bit better together. Absolutely. Well, this is a great question to introduce the team alignment map. That's exactly why it's been designed. Um, you know, by the way, all the tools, uh, before I, I start describing them, they're consider them as plugins any team member can use uh, to help uh, the team perform better. Uh, and they work with any method. So if you're from an agile background, it's going to work with Scrum and whatever tools you're using. If you come from a more uh, traditional project management school like the PMI, this is going to work as well. So these are just plugins. One plugin, the first and the main plugin of uh, the book is called the Team Alignment Map. And the whole idea is when we engage into new activities, new projects, or when we feel that we've lost our calibration as a team in a project and the usual KPIs are uh, budget goes off track, so does uh, the time or the quality. Well, that might reflect the fact that we're no longer on the same page. So how do we uh, sort of fix that rapidly? So whether it's on something new or something we have to reboot, well, we sit in front of this poster, whether, whether it's in a room or in uh, a digital board, and we basically answer four questions. Um, 
with uh, an additional one. The first one is uh, actually the additional one is on top and it's called the mission. And so, okay, we're teaming up for what purpose? And it looks simple, <laughs> but I had experiences with teams where when we, just like when you start the session and an alignment session is short and it's about 30 minutes, uh, there were big uh, differences of perception in terms of mission. So alignment was needed on it. What is it that we want to, uh, to uh, achieve together at a high level? And when the initial alignment is reached on the mission, then we enter into the concrete columns of uh, the team alignment map. Mm -hmm. And the first, uh, and again, these four columns I'm going to describe uh, are there to give a boost to mutual clarity. So it's a co-planning tool. So the idea is that we have to do this together because we have to reach sufficient mutual understanding in these four areas so that we are aligned. Alignment is not uh, a continuous, uh, it's not a continuum, it's binary. Either we are aligned or we're not. So the first thing we have to dis discuss together is, okay, if this is our mission, uh, what is it that we want to achieve concretely? What are we going to deliver? What are activities? What are the things we have to do? And whether it's uh, deliverables, outcomes, tasks, anything is discussed in that first column called joint objectives. What mm -hmm. is it that we intend to achieve concretely? Then once we have described that together with these questions, answer, and so on, which are excellent for boosting mutual understanding, we move to the second column called joint commitments. Okay. If I could do that alone, I would do it. Now we need each other. So that means that my work depends on your work and your work depends on mine. So let's negotiate, discuss, agree on each one's, each participant contribution and, uh, and, and, and put our names next to the things we have to deliver or name of uh, several people. But let's really agree on who is doing what and with whom and put it there. So in that second uh, part of the discussion, uh, really you can see some intense negotiation on who should be in charge of what, but this is not just a line in a document. It's the result of a discussion that we're putting explicitly out there so that everyone can see and knows that, okay, this is the result of our conversation. Then we move to the next column, uh, which is called joint resources. And uh, joint resources is really an, crucial because every human activity is using resources. And it's very important that everyone can answer to the question, do I have what I need to do my part? Or is there something I miss to do my part? Or what do I need to do my part? And that part of the conversation is really also a discussion to see, okay, if I have to achieve these goals, uh, myself with uh, Chris, what do we need to do this? And that's where we enter into a discussion where we identify what we need that we have and what we need that we miss. And once this is on the poster, we move on to the last column called joint risks. And we answer together from the very beginning collectively, what could prevent us from succeeding? 
And uh, that's where we uh, uh, identify potential obstacles, side effects, fears. For me, fears in a team, it's very good to have them out in the beginning because they're KPIs of future problems. So once we've put it out there visually, and that's the takeaway of these tools, uh, because we, may, we tend to presuppose uh, what others think too, many, too often. And the idea of the team alignment map, this plugin, is to really uh, say to the team, stop presupposing, let's put it out there visually, explicitly, so that we can see if, we see if we're on the same page. And describing these four columns together creates a shared vision of our collaboration ahead, what we're going to do. And it's called the forward pass. Then before the alignment session uh, is over, we still have to do something, which is in the last two columns, there might be missing resources. And in uh, the last column, joint risks, there might be risks that really challenge the project. So the idea here is also to turn risk mitigation and resource negotiation into, I wouldn't say really playful activity, but a more engaging activity than going through lists uh, or sending emails. And we, uh, the, the, there is another uh, uh, step, which is called the backward pass, where we have to transform all the post-its at problem. So for example, you need 10 man days, you don't have them, or uh, because you want, we want to conduct client interviews, there is a risk that the clients are not available. Well, actually these items can be mitigated live if we have the right people in the room. So mm -hmm. for example, if uh, um, um, there is a risk that uh, clients don't show up to the interviews, we can transform that risk into a new objective and a new commitment. So for example, if there is someone from the customer success teams, they can say, okay, I will ensure that we plan all the interviews ahead and that we add more teams so that, or more clients, so that if uh, uh, some don't show up, then we, we still match uh, uh, the number of interviews we want. And we remove the risk. So by doing this movement of describing the entire collaboration, including problems, and then mitigating the problems live together, creates a world of difference when we leave the meeting room or the online meeting uh, where everyone can see uh, uh, the, what, what it is for us to be on the same page on that collaboration than just talking without having any visual support and checking uh, visually that we are on the same page. It creates a world of difference. If I refer back to what I was saying in the beginning, this idea is that we agree on ambiguous things that create future problems in terms of execution. So this is what the team alignment map does. And the good news is that to align a team for higher efficiency, we've analyzed more than 200 project management, work-related slash variables and we realized that in the end, these were the really the minimal set on things we had to agree. Uh, mission, joint objectives, joint commitments, joint resources and joint risks to, to, to become uh, 
more effective and, and boost our joint performance. And, and then does that kind of um, just plug and play into say, um, you know, some of the other strategizer stuff? That's kind of how I'm, I'm thinking of it as, as you're saying it, right? It's like these risks perhaps become experiments that we need to, you know, validate that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. So the 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 whole strategizer series is, is a, a, a toolkit of tools that beautifully integrate with each other. So, for example, let's say you work on a business model canvas and you identify key activities uh, or uh, some elements of the value proposition uh, on the right for uh, in the center. Sorry for some client segment. Well, these things have to be done. All you have to do when you start actually entering into the delivery of it is move the post-it notes from um, the business model canvas to the team alignment map to say, okay, how do we make this happen now? Um, the same if you want to, um, if you have uh, uh, had access to David's blind book, Testing Business Idea, let's say you want to uh, run a sprint uh, on an innovative ideas to say to see if the the, the idea uh, can become a, a minimum viable product or something. Uh, before you start the sprint, uh, it's 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 really worthwhile spending some time together with the team who is going to validate this idea, to align on everyone's contribution to this validation very quickly. So okay, what are you going to do, etc. Can I help and so on. And the team alignment map really provides that structured visual space uh, that can guide the conversation to make it more effective. Uh, so yes, the tools are integrated and uh, I believe it's really important that we go visual now online, especially if you, you work with hybrid teams, sometimes we meet together, sometimes we're online and so on by complementing video conferencing with spaces where meetings are prepared, time box with the right templates to guide the conversation. Yeah, I mean, like, as you're saying that it makes total sense, right? Because the typical kind of team meetings would be, you know, perhaps someone's taking meaning minutes, which is essentially their interpretation of, of what happened, right? And yes. then and everyone's just kind of verbally agreeing to things and then looking at the minutes if they do look at the minutes uh, but very much um, you know everyone has their own interpretation of what they've just agreed it's, it's true Chris uh, I've been a meeting person myself uh, a minute, meeting minutes person myself in the past I don't do meeting minutes anymore so we work with visual templates and uh, at the end of the meeting the snapshot of the templates becomes the meeting minutes and everyone understands it's because we did it together you know meeting time is precious yeah and uh, before the pandemic this is a study conducted by atlassian uh, it's available online by the way it's called uh, we lose uh, you lose a lot of time at work and there was a statistics in that report uh, describing that 50 percent of meetings were considered unproductive and there's a waste of time well uh, during the pandemic, for me, it, it, in some cases, it's been even worse because uh, 
you know, you lose the rejects of face-to-face -face and then also you don't see necessarily people if they turn the camera off. And the whole idea is that meetings are not the problem, at least from what psycholinguistics are telling us. What is the problem is the, what we're discussing during these meetings. Uh, and one big, big mistake we're seeing online is that people use these precious, some teams, okay, let's not generalize, some teams use that precious time for updates. Yeah. And they launch projects via email and uh, messaging apps, Slack channels and you name it. Well, that's a big mistake because whenever we enter into a new activity, we launch a new project or we have a new person joining the team, that's when the need for alignment is the highest. So you want to use high bandwidth communication channel, such as face-to-face -face video conferencing, and to some extent audio conferencing, but synchronous channels. These are the channels with the highest bandwidth to give alignment a strong initial boost. And then once we are on the same page, we've reduced the perception gaps, then we can use the, uh, the comfort of asynchronous communication, uh, namely email, uh, messaging, uh, uh, video messages uh, recorded and so on, to uh, share incremental updates, progress, uh, minor edits, um, and that works beautifully. But if you do that the other way around, uh, that is the big mistake we see, you're launching new initiatives that require new work, that require strong alignment with low bandwidth channel. And you're using the high bandwidth channel for uh, at 10% of their capability, of its capability. So that, that's why we tend to perceive these meetings as boring. So the whole idea is that as we enter into a period now that of high uncertainty, we don't know exactly uh, what is going to be the balance between on-site and remote teamwork. There is a PwC report that has been just released last week where uh, people want to go back to the office. I mean, uh, they're not ready to give up the office. So, but they, we don't want to give up also the comfort of being accessible anywhere in the world and join the meeting. So the, the balance there between entirely remote or entirely at the office is not fixed. Mm -hmm. um, we, we really believe that uh, uh, we have to become smarter at channel selection. And well, this, 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 is a, this is a great, great, like, yeah, look, I wanted to ask you about this anyway, right? As you're saying it, I, um, you know, and then you, you brought up asynchronous versus synchronous. And yeah, like, so, so basically updates, just send a Loom video or something like that, right? We can just, um, um, is what you're saying. And then when yes. it's a big thing, get together, whether that's, you know, all together video call with the mirror board and make sure it, it, it's strong there. Now, what I wanted to talk about was, and I don't know if 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 I'm opening up a can of worms or whatever, but I think Slack is kind of super counterproductive. Am I, am I right or not? Sorry, I didn't get the last part of the question. Slack is? Super like 
counterproductive? Well, you know, it depends. I use Slack every day, as I mentioned, for updates. Um, and that's good. Where do I share my Loom videos, actually? <laughs> On oh, Slack. Yeah, exactly. We have a Slack channel. So again, that is for me. Uh, I'm, we're going to release a post next week, I guess, or the week after on this idea of smart channel selection for hybrid teams. Mm -hmm. um, um, again, um, go live for anything new. And we have amazing technology for that. Yeah. And use asynchronous channels for updates and minor edits. If you do that um, with your team, you are following um, the requirements of some human teamwork basics, which are that when we're not connected, we, we, we're not wired on the same brain. So when we start something new as a team, we all have our own perceptions. So that means that perception gaps are the moment where perception gaps are the biggest, which means that alignment is the lowest, is at the beginning. So you, you need high bandwidth in that moment. So go live, whether it's face-to-face -face or online, and possibly structure meetings visually, go visual, stop presupposing, put things explicitly out there using tools to align and to do other things, time box your stuff and, and so on. And then uh, the, the richness of the other channel is, is exceptional for incremental updates. If you do that, you're, you're, you're good uh, in terms of uh, keeping people on the same page. But the other way around doesn't work. I have, can tell you a story if you wish. Yeah, I, yeah, please. Well, <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, well, the, the thing I wanted to kind of I guess flag with Slack, right? Was perhaps not counterproductive, but I think it's probably probably not the right right choice of words. Perhaps it's more around the management of. Uh, yes, and that 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 brings another super important point. Yeah. You see, where again, Slack can be good or bad. It depends on how you use it. And for that, we have another tool in the book called the Team Contract, mm -hmm. which is to agree on uh, the team rules and behaviors and if you want and, and if we want to and how we want to work as a team yep so it's a poster uh, where uh, uh, we strongly recommend to do that very early on in the very early in, 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 in the collaboration in the stages of the collaboration because as we assemble cross-functional teams global teams diverse teams, the, the, the risk for, well, the potential for creativity and the expectations for delivery are great. However, you have to counterbalance that with the risk of friction due to the different ways of working, to the different perceptions and so on. So we believe that it's super important now as we enter into innovation journeys to also reflect together, not too much, but just take some time very early on to discuss uh, 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 what are the what are the team rules that we want to abide by in our team? And me as an individual, if I prefer to work in a certain way, put it explicitly out there, uh, discuss it with the other members of the team, and then agree on a moral contract. It's not a legal contract, it's a moral contract for our team. Super simple soft uh, poster. Uh, 
And on that poster, we can agree that we use Slack for updates, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, that uh, we start new things on video, but it's made explicitly from the start how we're going to work together. I mentioned very early on in the discussion that we, we wanted, you know, most innovative uh, 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 tools or that help teams innovate are, are, are focused on products and services. And we, are, we wanted to add this complement of tools for the team itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, why did we do that? Because we noticed that in the execution of the project, not in the strategy definition phases or in the description phase, but in the proper execution of project, a lot of the problems uh, that we were experiencing were coming from the fact that some basics were, were sort of neglected uh, from the very beginning that caused later these consequences, namely the fact of being on the same page, on agreeing on some basic rules of the game between us, on listening to uh, every team member if they want to work in a specific way, but let's have that out in the very beginning. So for example, I might come early in the morning, but I might leave uh, earlier in the afternoon because I have to pick the kids at school, but let's put it out there so that everyone knows it and then we don't start gossiping and, uh, and so on. Uh, if there are some levels of confidentiality that have to be respected and all this together, these two basics, essentials actually, I should say, that are this notion of alignment and psychological safety, the fact that uh, my team is a safe place uh, to take risks. And if I fail, it's not going to be blamed on me and I feel the team will support me. Uh, we sort of felt we had to develop tools for that so that we could uh, uh, take care of these essentials from the start to make our journey more comfortable. And to come back to Slack, again, it's a, a matter of agreeing from the beginning how we're going to use that channel. Yeah, look, I think, you know, as I'm, as I'm hearing that, my question was probably um, not the right one because it was more around, I guess, productivity. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, more, well, it was more around productivity than, say, team alignment, right? Because what I was talking about when it gets counterproductive is, you know, getting pinged in the middle of the day. Um, this is probably the problem right there that I've got it on all, at all times, but um, um, about where's the file on drive, right? And kind of messing up that, your flow and like the ability to kind of get into the work. So I guess it's, it was less, um, less about a comment around team alignment, more around productivity. Oh, but Chris, I feel the pain, you know, I'm overwhelmed yeah. by slack stuff. Huh? But you, and, well, and I totally feel the pain. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, the thing is that when it happens to me, I know that we should have done a team contract. <laughs> so, right. and the good news is that again, it's how we use the channel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I shouldn't be picking on Slack anyway, right? Because it's not <laughs> Slack. It's, 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 it's Slack, it's Skype, it's, 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 you know, Messenger and WeChat, you know, people can just, you know, tap you on the shoulder from just about any channel, right? Um, um, oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, please have a look at this post we're going to release on smart channel selection for team, for hybrid teams. Absolutely. Okay. And then like, okay, teams aligned, projects started, uh, you know, you're often dealing with, you know, 
either teams in in innovation or startups that are you know really trying to pioneer you know industries and things are stressful um how do you kind of what what's the next step what's the next model that i'm using um to keep teams motivated to keep teams um towards a mission or am i just coming back to that to that same board so um there are many there are different situations and different ways of uh, uh doing this so but they can be summarized uh, in two steps. One, when we start, we need a strong boost, mm -hmm. uh, both in terms of alignment of, of the activities for, with the team alignment map, for example, and in, in agreeing on the rules of the game uh, between us with the team contract. So the beginning is very important. Then the, the, the question is, um, depending on if it's just for very short period or longer initiative, how you maintain alignment over time and how you maintain some level of confidence in the team over time. When things keep changing, new people are joining, some are leaving, and the collaboration spans maybe throughout the organization with other teams. Um, we provide different ways of using it. It's true that, for example, uh, uh, so again, strong initial boost, but then it varies uh, depending on uh, uh, how you maintain alignment on your specific situation. And there are exa examples on how to do that in the book. But to give you a concrete example, so if you're from an uh, agile background, uh, we recommend to do a quick alignment session at the beginning of every sprint to just quickly monitor that we're on the same page. If you are into more traditional project management, we recommend a quick alignment session before you enter the initiation phase and another quick one when you enter the planning phase. But as you enter into execution of the project itself, if it's a waterfall approach, um, as, as you move on in the execution, then uh, the need for alignment decreases if you've managed the alignment properly in the early stages. Uh, some teams, to give you other examples, uh, they start with an initial team alignment map and then they agree on a timely basis. So for example, we go back to the team alignment map we did last month. We check that everyone has done what he or she was supposed to do. And then we do an update for the next month. And we use it on a timely basis like that every month, maybe sometimes every two months, sometimes it's every week. Uh, are always depending on the team. What is sure is that um, the team contract, for example, when we agree on the rules of the game between us and how we're going to work together, this is done usually in the beginning and doesn't change so much over time, except when someone new joins, where we, it's, it's part for me of the onboarding process uh, of that person to sit together on the poster and tell that person, well, you see, this is what we agreed on. Uh, what it is to be a good contributor in our team uh, in terms of ways of behaving, in terms of communication, in terms of decision-making, you name it. Uh, and uh, uh, we, increase, we uh, update the team contract with the, con with the expectations and, and the contribution of the new person. So that creates a double uh, output, which is first we, we onboard the person and second we give the person from the very beginning 
an opportunity to give to have a voice as uh, she or he is joining our team. Uh, so team alignment map, usually in the beginning and then it varies. Team contract, uh, usually in the beginning with minor updates as uh, the project unfolds. But it's true that if you shift to this way of working, we believe that, um, especially in startups and in innovation teams where there is a lot of uncertainty from the very beginning and information keep changing all the time, the need for alignment um, is, more, is, is more frequent than it used to be in the past because um, as we progress, we lose our calibration because new information is coming in because we're learning. So we believe that uh, we should uh, increase the frequency of these fast alignment meetings uh, and uh, kind of get rid of some, what I call, and I'm sorry, and I apologize for saying that, but some level of bureaucracy and, and paperwork. <laughs> so we, we, tend, we tend to use really uh, the snapshots of the tools as the meetings minutes. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So as I'm hearing this, I'm like, um, look, I love this conversation first because I'm just I'm, I'm learning a lot and it just makes total sense to me. And then I'm I'm guessing now that you've kind of got that, um, you know, you've been doing it for a few years and, and you you kind of refine your own process and you've got to the point where you where you created this model and now you're helping teams get aligned. Um, that if it's particularly when it's with startups, um, it must be really incredible to see them blossom, right? You, I think you started with the fact that they were, you know, 400% more productive, but I think there's almost, it sounds to me like this is like the perfect way to start uh, the right culture in your organization for a startup. Is that what you're seeing? Um, well, uh... That's what I'd love to say in the future when I have more evidence, but that's the ambition, yes. Uh, the ambition is that the, 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 one of the missions of the book and why we did all these efforts together to, to, to deliver uh, these tools uh, in a usable way for everybody is that we, there, we have this belief that given the complexity of the challenges ahead, uh, the promise is always the same, that if we team up, we can achieve greater things. However, the conditions in which we achieve uh, uh, these great things uh, have changed. A lot more uncertainty, uh, a, lot of, a lot of more, uh, the, the team ha, uh, uh, must become more and more cross-functional, have more specialists. and. One of our strong beliefs is that the best manager in the world is not one person, uh, it's the team, because it's becoming too complex. So we wanted to give tools that every team member can use to improve his or her own contribution, but also help the team do better. So make everyone accountable for our joint results. And if these tools uh, are adopted today, it's, uh, it's maybe, uh, that we're on the right track to start establishing that from the start, this shared responsibility. We're, you know, this, we're only in this together mindset. Uh, some of the intention of the tools, the tools, they look easy, but they trigger powerful mechanisms in our head. 
uh, we've hidden that complexity that was part of uh, the creation of these tools, the design and testing of these tools. But I mean, I can't imagine uh, uh, a situation where people in a team from the start, they agree on the mission, they can see themselves contributing to that, they know what they have to do, they know what other people are doing, they have the resources they need to do their job, and they know that the risks have been taken care of, and they also know what are the rules of, of, uh, of the game in that team, because they've contributed in creating that. And they know that for themselves, but they know that also for the others. So I know what the others are doing and so on. So I, I haven't had a counter example where um, um, if you ask every team member and they say yes to all these points, we, we, we've not been successful. But I can have, I can explain many of my own failures uh, in projects and so on when some of these variables were not okay. So yes, I mean, really one of the, uh, the ambitions of the team is to empower, uh, of the book, sorry, is to empower teams very early on from the start, whether it's in startup or, or innovation teams for uh, the complexity of our period uh, by integrating at the core of uh, the design of new products and services, of new business models, of new processes, the fact that these are delivered by people and people have their own requirements, especially in these complex journeys. And these tools, they precisely do that. And uh, I would strongly recommend startups to use that because, um, you know, startups, uh, when I work with them, uh, there is always uh, one or two people that are very aligned, the founders, but as it starts growing, uh, this alignment tends to, to, to decrease with the number of people. And uh, um, this, they, they, they can really greatly benefit from, um, uh, from using these tools with their own teams, especially to manage the internal growth and the, the development of the internal activities. A lot less execution problems down the road and a lot less this notion of the superhero manager that is kind of, or can become the bottleneck for most decisions. So we, we, we believe in, in teams and we believe in collective intelligence and we believe that uh, there is a genius in teams and uh, it's not so difficult to get there. Yeah, I mean, it almost becomes part of the onboarding process, right? It could, um, this is how we do it. This is how we, this is the contract we have, you know, and then, it, and, and then if, if, if all the employees are seeing that example from the top, I just kind of think it must be have great repercussions for the, for the rest of the organization when you're dealing with these larger enterprise, right? Um, Anyway, um, yes, correct, correct. So your point is, um, if this is integrated into some rituals, so we don't start a new pro no, <laughs> no project starts without a team alignment map and a team contract for the team. It's part of the basic requirements 
to take care of ourselves before we enter the journey. If you make that part of a ritual, then uh, you increase uh, the impact of these tools. Yes, definitely. All right. And it's, well, it's funny you use the word ritual because I'm also, you know, obviously startup growing um, and I'm, you know, involved with a, with a bunch of others, like global communities, right? So startup bootcamp, Draper, Draper ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so I, I see a lot of correlations between, you know, what you're saying and so startup growing, for example, and, and communities is where I was going to go. And then um, so startup growing is always being kind of mission driven. We have the, you know, the mission on the site, the values on the site, and maybe kind of um, have been very important to the growth. And then these become the, the rules um, or, you know, you point the rituals when we're setting up online communities and stuff, it's like, this is who we are and who we're not. And, and if this is your thing, then you can join us kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, do you, do you see um, this working to get communities back, you know, aligned, uh, not just teams, but, you know, larger communities and, um, you know, the benefits of the same kind of process for, um, yeah, for communities. Well, yes, of course, communities are teams of teams. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, the same logic applies uh, uh, inside the sub teams and between the teams. So everything we've been saying applies at the community level. And it's true that um, uh, I'm, uh, if I refer back to, um, Peter Drucker, the, the management thinker, thinker, he was writing already in the 60s, you cannot manage a knowledge worker. Uh, you have to consider that uh, they can only be helped. And you have to consider almost like uh, any, uh, every person as a volunteer uh, in a knowledge economy. Because of course, if we work as teams of specialists, uh, I hire you or I work with you because you know things I don't know. So, um, this idea of working in a community, an organization is a community. And maybe one of the messages behind this book is that we have to restore also that sense of community in our organization uh, and in a startup. And uh, most of, you know, I, I'm a project management professor and most of the tools I've been teaching for these years, they, they come from engineering or military background. Yeah from the Gantt chart to uh, business process modeling, whatever. Well, humans have specific requirements. We are relational beings and it's, uh, it's the impact on how we manage a mutual understanding, the quality of our relationships is visible on our ability to achieve effectively, the quality of our execution, and also our ability to innovate. There is a direct impact and the idea behind this book is this, that uh, if we take care of these human basics uh, together, uh, we reinforce uh, uh, our ability to, 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 to innovate, to deliver projects. And also we make our journeys a bit more human <laughs> because sometimes when uh, deadlines are short, stakes are high, budget is burning uh, it's 
not necessarily the most comfortable journeys, but like if we've taken some time to prepare for that journey, we can go through this crisis also and difficult periods uh, in better ways. We haven't talked about conflict, for example, which is another aspect covered in the book. Uh, well, I don't know how much time you got. I'm pretty sure that yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure if I'm over, but I'd love to. <laughs> Uh, if you if you still got uh, a few minutes, I'd love to I'd love to. Um, uh, well, I, well, you know, I'm happy. I still want to talk about you, you, the nonprofit, but I was also going to say, like, you know, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking about um, team bonding and like kind of like outside of work, and whether that is sometimes put in the contract or like how you work or. You know, what I mean, these kind of rituals where, all right, well, every Friday we get together to have a beer or whatever on a Friday, or we do these, uh, you know, outdoor activities together. But you know, oftentimes I've seen them really strengthen teams, right? Um, and the and the relationship. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that kind of offline to online, um, um, has you know been considered in 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 or you know, been part of the research. Um. Not specifically, well, the fact of uh, bonding outside of work, no, that was not in the scope of what we, we sure, sure, yeah. up and analyzed. But I can tell you from having managed <laughs> many uh, digital projects, uh, we, when you work hard <laughs> uh, in a good atmosphere, that comes automatically. I mean, I don't think we have to kind of issue a statement for that. People want to go out and celebrate. The thing is, that's my experience. Um, however, the pandemic uh, is really doing us harm in that regard. Uh, and I really wish that uh, um, that, that period ends uh, the sooner the better so that we can also uh, reestablish the social bonds and life that happens outside of work and that emerge spontaneously. One, one of the things I miss here is spontaneity. Mm -hmm. Online, if things are not planned, nothing happens. Yeah. And exactly. yeah, that's the, yeah, to answer your question, uh, it's really this idea of having uh, this uh, requirement of planning everything. Um, that's, that's not, I believe, uh, the way we're built in our own dna and sociality no well the, i mean i'm writing that down i think that's a that's a startup right there some sort of digital spontaneity <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely you got it yes uh, all right well so look thank you very much for your time stefano i know that um, i wanted to kind of end it um you know with a with a call to action in this case i wanted to just um yeah put put the put the word out for for your nonprofit. Am I correct? Oh yes, we are. Uh, we're not really a nonprofit. Uh, we're oh, just sorry. A, you're a volunteer yeah. group. Yeah. We're just a team of volunteers that we we thought uh, that. Um, uh, well, our vision is that uh, collaboration and communication skills uh, could be taught much earlier on in schools, high schools, and universities, so that when we, young talents join or enter their career, they're equipped for uh, teamwork uh, with, uh, with tools and skills and an understanding of, uh, of what it means to collaborate uh, uh, as a team. 
And so we're developing this toolkit for teachers and professors to teach collaboration skills much earlier on. And if you uh, want to join our team, we're a global team already of 20 people developing this uh, toolkit for teachers. And you uh, don't hesitate to contact me uh, if you uh, feel like that resonates with you. How do they, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> oh, how, how you can contact me? Yeah. Oh yeah, so uh, via strategizer.com, uh, on the contact page, or my blog, teamalignment.co, where I share also my latest uh, articles, and LinkedIn. Of course. Well, thank you very much, Stefano. Thank you for staying back. But uh, really, really appreciate it. And I think that the listeners will love love that conversation. Thank you very oh, much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. And thank you uh, to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.